We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Is Bryce Harper hitting enough fly balls? What's going on with Shane McClanahan? What's going on with the Cubs and the Reds? We'll talk about that and a whole lot more with Brendan Tuma from Underdog Fantasy. Coming up next on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson. Uh, we are here uh, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network and Home Run Index lot uh, in, in their Home Run Forecaster. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. I'm here with Brendan Tuma from Underdog Fantasy, and he's got his own sub stack as well. Brendan, thank you so much for joining us today. Jeff, no, thank you for having me on. I grew up, you know, just getting into fantasy baseball, you know, going on road to wire, um, you know, following people like yourself. So it's not lost on me to be here. It's really, really cool for me. Oh, I'm glad. Uh, thank you for saying that. I really appreciate it. Um, Let's talk what you do in Underdog, first of all, uh, before we jump into Bryce Harper. Underdog, uh, it, it's as you've told others, it's known f- mostly for its football best ball leagues. But it, it, the baseball side of things, the profile is growing there, too, and you're doing a big part of that. Yeah, I think Underdog was built as a company to be a really great draft experience, and we've seen the football community uh, rally around that exceptionally. It seems like that's like the default content that people are making around nowadays, and our baseball games are equally, I think, as exciting. It's different, you know, than season-long manage. It's not roto, um, but it's just another way to experience baseball and have a little skin in the game, Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, we've seen a little bit of growth in the past year. I think it's trending in the right direction. I'm excited to, to keep pushing that. Yeah, and uh, it, it you know, best ball baseball is fun, and it's a little bit of a crowded marketplace. Not one one you know operator has dominated that market, and I think baseball is more traditional, so maybe AKA older, and so we are mm-hmm. less inclined to doing best ball as much. Whereas I think football, I mean, it was e- you know eagerly embraced pretty quickly. But it's a fun game, guys. I've played it myself, really enjoy it, and I know they were sponsors of ours uh, in the draft season. So hey. I, I, you know, check it out, check out what they have in season, what they have. And of course, getting ready for best ball mania, the, the puppy and all that kind of good stuff for football side of things. Obviously we support that as well. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, an article you just posted yesterday on your Substack, your Patreon. And that is, uh, what, you know, talking about the home, the fly ball rates of Bryce Harper, Lars Newtbar, Mike Trout, especially Harper, because he had such a big home run drought earlier this year. What did you find? Yeah, so I like to run this time of year, look at the fan graphs year to year changes for just some notable stats. And it just gives you a reason to start diving into a player and say, oh, I didn't realize that this player was doing that. So I was looking at fly ball rates yesterday and Harper is definitely one of the first ones who stood out. I think it's basically impossible to analyze him without talking about the injury and just his elbow. And last year he had the thumb as well and the hit by pitch. Mm-hmm. So uh, his fly ball rate has been way down the past two years, ever since the initial elbow injury. And his ISO is down as well because of it. He's really just not hitting for power right now. I'm at this point, like whatever we get for the rest of 2023, you know, it kind of is what it is. You drafted him at a discount anyway, and he came back Mm -hmm. pretty quickly. Uh, I'm just kind of curious if this is going to return for 2024. Are we going to get after a full off season of rest, the normal Bryce Harper back that we're used to because um, yeah, it's definitely, this feels like entirely health related, just reading the tea leaves. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Slugging 408. Uh, you know, he's still hitting for average, still drawing walks. He's even stealing some bases, seven stolen bases. Um, he's on pace for about the same same amount of bags as he had last year, uh, prorated at the very least. Maybe even we'll get there on a pure basis. I agree. Year two should be the thing. And, and we always think about it with pitchers that you don't want them in year one when they come back from Tommy John. You want to wait that extra few months, you know, get them in year two. I think the same is probably true for hitters when they have a major injury like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Max Muncy had an elbow injury uh, last year that he was coming back from. Yep. He talked openly about not feeling like himself for a while, and and now his power is pretty much back. Um, so I'm hoping that Harper follows the same path. Yeah, I think that's a great comp, by the way, too. Uh, I, I and you can see Muncy definitely has gotten all that power back, no doubt about that. Um, in that article, you also discussed Lars Newbar. Now, the uh, Cardinals, for all the dealings that they have did not ease their outfield log jam one bit. You know, they traded a bunch of pitchers, but Dylan Carlson's still there. Newbar's still there. Jordan Walker's still there. Tyler O'Neill's still there. And Alec Burleson is still there. So we still have to uh, sort that out. I mean, that's going to be an ongoing thing. Maybe in this, in the off season, they'll make a trade, but you know, they didn't really ease things in terms of the outfield playing time. Mm-hmm. And I want to be clear. Lars Newbar is really, really good. Everything I'm about to say, it might sound like a little bit of cold water, but that's only because I felt like, at a certain point in this offseason, the expectations for him got so high. The, yes. you know, the the hype for him was getting um just yeah, really, really high. And he's been a different hitter this year. Like he popped up on that list of uh fly ball rate fallers, and he's hitting a lot more grounders this year, which I don't love. It's up to like 55%. Um, but he's making it work. He's hitting, you know, for average, and he still has enough power when he does lift the ball, it's getting out of the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a lefty hitter in a no-shift world. I think that that's helping him as his Babbitt is up a bit, but I'm not, I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about Babbitt with some of these, you know, lefty pull hitters. And again, in the post shift world. So um, he's been really good. It hasn't been, you know, I don't think the 90th percentile outcome that some were hoping for, but he also hasn't right. fallen on his face. He's proved that last year uh, was legitimate. And, and he's still only, I think he's 25 turning 26 soon. So, you know, aging curve suggests he could, he could still keep getting better in the next couple of years. Yeah. You know, one thing I haven't been checking in on, maybe I should have done a little bit better job of that is checking in all the WBC players to see mm. how, like how their performance rates compared to previous years, how, you know, the injury rates, how they compare versus the player pool. There's something in the past that I think we've been on a little bit more. Newt Bar obviously was a WBC player um, and he did have a trip to the IL and I just made me think about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so uh, we'll track that. We'll track uh, the playing time for between with all those Cardinals outfielders, especially now that O'Neill is back. It's it's super crowded. Paul DeYoung's gone, but uh, everybody else uh, remains. Now, uh, I wanted to, another topic I wanted to bring up. Yeah, Newt Bar did homer yesterday. He did it off of Joe Ryan, and Joe Ryan is really struggling after a great first three months of the season. This last month hasn't been very nice. I think this is a little bit of a warning sign. I've been really into some of the rookie pitchers that have come up this season, you know, Brian Wu, Bryce Miller, mm-hmm. Taj Bradley, all these guys, and Emmett Sheehan. A common theme has been that they're so just fastball dominant. They're they're coming up and they're throwing fastballs over half the time. Um, this is something we saw Joe Ryan do when he first came up and it was initially dismissed as a reason he wouldn't ultimately make it. He was one of the guys early the season who got a lot of buzz for adding a sweeper. And that mm-hmm. seemed to be, you know, what took him to the next level uh, the first half of this year. But um, like you said, it's been a struggle lately and you can't help but wonder are opposing hitters just getting so used to the fastball at this point that if he doesn't come up with another pitch to, to keep them off balance, that if he's just not going to be as good as we thought he was maybe at the beginning of 2023. Yeah, it's weird. During this stretch, he's still getting strikeouts. Uh, Nick Pollock was writing about that in his weekly, his nightly recap of like the, the pitchers for the day. But um, he, he's just, you know, and the, the splitter isn't working very well. It's, you know, you mentioned talking about a fastball dominant guy. He's getting good results with the fastball, but his other pitches are, just aren't working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm trying to pull it up right now if this, in this recent stretch, how he's. Um done just yeah so he has a 403 babip during this time i sometimes find nowadays there's so much good analysis out there for fantasy baseball and looking at individual pitch characteristics and you know stuff plus and vertical movement and and all this stuff and sometimes you just got to look at you know the old school babip and left on base rate and and see if 
hitters are, or pitchers are getting a little unlucky in that sense. So um, I don't think he's obviously this bad as he's been the past month, but but maybe he's also not as good as you know April through June was. Yeah, I think that's probably valid. Uh, gets the Tigers in his next start, so we'll keep rolling with them. I mean, honestly, at this point in time, what other choice do we have but to keep rolling with them in our managed leagues? Because mm-hmm. as as everybody knows, the waiver wire is a disaster out there. Yeah, I don't think he's in full Gonsolin mode yet, uh, where you have to just stream him. Um, I think he's better than that, but maybe, maybe so. Uh, maybe uh, what's it? Scott White called the glop. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think I think he's. You know, I don't think he's glop, but maybe he's glop plus. I don't know. Well, we'll see. Um, and if I got the, I, I know it's, I, I, I might have gotten the term wrong with that, but that there's just there's very few pitchers that we can just say start him every start. You know, he's going to be fine. And Ryan no longer is in that group. Mm-hmm. That's just what I was going to say is at this point in the season, there's so few starting pitchers. You know, we're really seeing the attrition of the year play out. And so I think if, if you are in a league where you have some, you know, pretty good options as alternative, sure, you can maybe, mm-hmm. you know, bench Joe Ryan a bit coming up. But in a lot of my leagues, you know, um, I'm, I'm really just scrapping for pitching any way I can get it. Yeah, absolutely. I am, too. So, uh, yeah, that that that's the case uh, in a lot of different leagues, unfortunately, there. So um, next year, what are you doing with Joe Ryan? Uh, my guess is he's going to fall into that category of you know, the starting pitcher who you're not going to build your staff around, but you do need someone who can eat innings. I do like that. He's, um, you know, showing that he can at least hold up to a workload so far. We'll see how he finishes out the year, but, um, yeah, I guess, you know, I don't know if he's going to be a huge target, but also not, you know, necessarily a fade. Um, there's this, yeah, whatever the glop, that term of just pitchers who, uh, are more than streamers, but not necessarily the, the ones that you're building your staff around. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. So yeah, twin twins as a whole, I mean, that whole ale ale central has been pretty frustrating. Um, and you know, the sunny gray has tailed off some, the twins have had a lot of injuries. They can't pull away from the guardians, despite the guardians trying to, to pull themselves away. I mean, you look at what, how they acted at the trade deadline. Uh, it, it's interesting that this is still remains, a, this, this still remains a race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the Twins in the first half of the year, their pitching was absolutely incredible. They were, you know, ranked first as a team in strikeout minus walk rate. And maybe we're still seeing some of the effects of the pitch clock play out for the entire year. I think so yeah. much was made early on about how it's affecting guys and in individual starts. But um, now they're pitching an entire season on the pitch clock. And yeah. maybe we're seeing a lot of these, especially younger guys and the older guys too. you know, tire out a bit down the stretch. I think so. I think I think that's entirely plausible, and I know arm injuries are up among pitchers. Will Carroll documented that, and I wonder if that the pace of them being up will continue, or if maybe we've kind of seen a plateau. We'll see. Um, Reds and Cubs, uh, you know, the Cubs actually decided not to be a seller at the trade deadline. They 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 are by far and away leading baseball and runs scored since the break. Uh, you could even take away the last two games just from the Cubs. Where they where they scored thirty five runs in two games, and they would still lead baseball in runs scored with if you left everybody else the same. That's how much how much uh, more prolific that this offense has been. But they're firing on all cylinders right now, uh, even with Marcus Stroman on the IL. Yeah, and I think I know you know yourself as a big Reds fan. You know this has been a big series. The Reds have had a few big series recently against the Brewers as well. From a from a fan standpoint, I do think this trade deadline it was such an intense sellers market that i don't blame some of these teams especially you know teams like the reds who have so many you know young cost controlled players to make their next run um i don't necessarily blame them for not adding too much because even the orioles trade they got jack Fla- jack flaherty they gave up a couple of prospects that ranked you know in the teens and they're uh top 30 and i bet i guarantee that that front office did not like making that move but just felt like they had to add to that core well yeah they just sent down tyler wells you know dean kramer looks like he has nothing left um and you know starting point for dean kramer wasn't especially high in the first place there either so um yeah i i I would have been a little nonplussed as an orioles fan that uh fujinori and uh, flirty are the only two ads but the Reds, it's even worse. Sam Mall is it? 31 journeyman, 31-year-old journeyman, left-handed reliever. Sure, he's a tactical guy, but 
Um, I almost feel like that reflects, and, and I know it doesn't always work that way, but it reflects in the Reds' play the last two days. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's more just they're burnt out. They needed some arms. Like, how could you not go out and get like Rayleigh and Ottavino or something? You know, that's mm-hmm. not going to cost you a top 30 prospect. Probably yeah. not, at least. I mean, and that would have been a big, you know, big measure up. I mean, when you look at like how, how like Buck Farmer has 51 appearances in baseball, leads ba- Major League Baseball in appearances, I think. Uh, and they have two other guys with 50. I mean, it's just it's an overworked bullpen. It's because it's not a very good starting rotation. There's a couple of ways you can handle it. Go get some relievers or go get a starter that can give them some innings. They did none of the above. So I, I'm a little I'm giving the Reds a little less grace. I think maybe it's because I'm closer to the situation or, you know, maybe as a Reds fan, I should say uh, that, you know, it's very infrequent that you get a chance to win the, in this game, uh, especially mm-hmm. when you're the Reds. It's not that you don't have this sustainable winning machine you may be pointing towards that and i understand that goal but i don't think the, the, how the house money uh, uh, argument applies because the cardinals are bad for the rare year this is the first losing season since 2007 for crying out loud the mets are bad you know they're not going to remain bad they traded off but they're not going to always be that way the padres are sub 500 these things are these are conditions that aren't likely to apply in the future um and yet they kept their powder dry i I get it. The prices are high, but you know, it's not like they said, okay, well, these are the deals are proposed to us either. And they're not going to tell us that. So, um, and meanwhile, the Cubs, they they did add, I mean, it's not, not a lot. They did small deals like Heimer Candelario. Um, they, they added a couple of relievers. It's not like they, they did these massive moves, but they did moves. They did something to kind of buoy the, the, the fans and the players that, Hey, they got a chance to win this year. Yeah, definitely. It's become such, uh, you know, some of these front offices, the way they operate nowadays is just kind of that old school mentality of we have a really good young ball club that has a chance to, you know, be really exciting down the stretch. And even just adding to it, like you said, that could like galvanize a clubhouse. And um, we saw a lot of teams, you know, who are maybe either on the bubble or, or should have been buyers, you know, really stand pat. And yeah. um, for, for whatever reason, this was, you know, a truly insane seller's market. I think the teams that did sell did incredibly well. And if I'm a Mets fan or a White Sox fan, you know, I'm, I'm feeling, you know, frustrated by how the year went, but, but they did as well as they possibly could have, I think, at the deadline. Yeah. And the Reds did well last year, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that Minnesota trade for Tyler Malley, I mean, they got – Encarnacion Strand and Steer in that deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that's an incredible trade nowadays. <laughs> yeah, and I I do think there's some teams that are you know pretty gun shy of not making the same mistake. You're in Boston. Um, mm-hmm. they didn't you know the Red Sox they didn't really do any uh, any significant ads. In fact, they sold off a little bit. Uh, they they trade although in the in the case of uh, uh you know uh Kike Hernandez with Trevor Story ultimately coming back sometime soon they figured that their roster spot was going to be in flux, but now Justin Turner is day to day. They could probably use Kike right about now. Yeah. I'm the Red Sox in recent years. It's um, uh, what's the term I'm trying to blank of uh, just like when you're hiring, bringing in new people every um, season, but kind of a revolving door. Yeah. Yeah. Just with like the roster as a whole, you know, it's no longer, you know, this core of what could have been, you know, Mookie Bogarts and, and all that stuff. And there's no need to rehash that. I just think at this point, like the Red Sox, um, as a fan, again, you're talking about your, yourself getting passionate about the Reds, not adding, uh, adding too much at the deadline. And yeah, I want the Red Sox. Like, you know, I season ticket holder, we pay the highest season ticket prices in baseball. Like I want, this team should be, you know, a dominant force year in right. year out. And, and maybe we're still building towards that, but it, but it does leave you as a fan, um, wanting a little bit, um, wanting a little bit more, especially when you're in your own division, the Orioles and Rays have just, they seem to have this, you know, sustainable um, winning model figured out a little bit better than you. Yeah. Uh, you know, and again, though, it, it's kind of interesting to see if, uh, you know, the Orioles can actually win in the playoffs once that now that it looks like they're going to get there. Did they do enough uh, is another mm-hmm. question too. But uh, yeah, I thought the, the Red Sox were interesting. I mean, they're the classic, our injured guy returning is our trade deadline acquisition, but uh, which mm-hmm. I always hate. Uh, but Chris Sale is it, obviously, uh, and and story. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, that they're, they're they've been playing pretty good ball. Um, but they they also have some pretty clear areas where they could improve too. And you know, adding another arm, adding you know, a, a, like a true center fielder instead of the Duval Duran combo. There, I don't know. Uh, Duran is not even playing a whole lot of cent- uh, center these days. But um, yeah, it, it's I, I think they're an interesting team. 
Yeah, that's the thing about it, actually, as you said, like they're playing, you know, a little bit good ball lately and we're not a disaster. And if you listen to Boston Sports Radio, that's not like you'd think we're, you know, 20 right. games under 500 sort of thing. But uh, but it's not like a bad team. It's just not um, good or particularly exciting and direction feels, you know, a little bit which way are we going here? Um, I really think that they're just trying to build all this stuff up underneath and in the present, you know, you know, save face a little bit as much as you can. But but one of these years, they're going to need to get it uh, together before, you know, the fan base and possibly ownership really start, you know, looking at Bloom and asking some questions. Sure, for sure. They also feature some very interesting base running. Uh, I will mm-hmm. say that they are. <laughs> Yeah, every every night I see oh base running mistake by the Red Sox. Oh, mm-hmm. Interesting, you know they they have a little bit of that for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we move on to the next topic, got to share a little bit of uh, a business note with you. We know the weather can impact how far a ball can fly, but we never know what all that heat and humidity or cold air is really doing to the ball. The Home Run Forecast Index gives us an easy way to determine how good or bad the air is for ball flight. The index is calculated by measuring stadium-specific weather conditions and is displayed on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being the most unfavorable for good ball flight and 10 indicating the most favorable air. There is a strong correlation between the index and the number of runs scored per game and the number of home runs hit. Games that have, that have the highest index, 10 for the whole game, average over 10 runs and 2.8 homers over the course of the year. An index is created for each game so you can see what it will be in any stadium and how the weather's influence might change over the course of the game as well as the wind direction. Right now, you can access uh, to the HRF premium site for only $5 a month and see what the index will look like for every hour of every game. Go to homerunforecast.com right now to sign up. Again, homerunforecast.com. Also, we're on the Blue Wire Network, and we love being on the Blue Wire Network. Here's a couple of ads real quick from them. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, 
Access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Thank you for your indulgence with that, and thank you, Blue Wire, for providing such a great platform. Uh, did some uh, shows from Vegas on the Blue Wire studio in the Wind, Wind Casino. It was pretty awesome. They have a really cool facility there. Uh, I'm talking with Brendan Tuma. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Too Much Tuma. You can obviously read his work at Underdog, where he's the head of all MLB info there, and also his own Substack as well. Uh, Brendan, one of the things that's been interesting this year is we haven't had too many great fabbed closers. Haven't had too many opportunities to get new saves coming into the pool. You would think, usually you think, okay, trade deadline. We're going to get some uh, guys changing hands. It's going to be exciting. Sure enough, Robertson went to the Marlins. Uh, we saw Scott Barlow get traded to the Padres and Paul Seawall get traded to the Diamondbacks. Uh, you know, I'm still like, there's not too, but unfortunately, there's not too many guys we can swing in and pick up because of that. You know, I guess you go after Carlos Hernandez uh, in, in Kansas City for the three saves that the Royals provide. Uh, you could go after the combination out of Vino and Rayleigh and the Mets, but that's kind of shaky a little bit there too. Uh, the Jays are currently having maybe a short-term opportunity, but really the big winner is Andres Munoz, but everybody already has got Andres Munoz rostered in a league somewhere. Mm -hmm. I know it's funny. I find like, you know, years ago I was, you know, very team, you know, wait on closer. These guys will emerge as the year goes on. It feels like the past couple of seasons that, that hasn't necessarily been the case as much. And someone like Munoz, who, you know, wasn't a strict setup man, who was, like you said, out there in uh, waiver wires, like he was already rostered either due to the hope that he was getting saves or, or for at least for the ratio. So yep. um, it's been thin in recent years. And I find it's made me invest in the high end closers and, what I like about that is then I don't spend as much time sifting through these terrible bullpens, Kansas city, you know, the Mets right now, like, like that you mentioned, and you only have so much time, you know, to manage your fantasy teams. And I find that like, that is like a, um, underappreciated benefit of having the top closes is not needing to use that time, uh, to find all these other save sources. But, um, but yeah, Munoz, I think, uh, the comparison, it's, you know, an obvious one, but, um, it's like Devin Williams last year, the, when the Brewers traded away, um, Josh Hader, Devin Williams, yep. someone we always said, if he becomes the primary closer, you know, he could be top five, top 10. And, you know, that was obviously the same case for Munoz. He did get the first save chance yesterday and it was against, I'm nearly certain the six, seven, eight hitters. So it's not like it was only because it was the heart of the order. So, right. uh, Something that's we really encouraging. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So that, that, that's an encouraging first step. And yeah, I think, um, I did this morning. I was just interested to see where he was at because I knew he had the shoulder injury. So I, I did a little um, looking to see how he's been doing this season, just, you know, skills wise. And it's not as dominant at a, as it was last year, but he's still been really, really good. And if he does have the role, that's the most important thing. Yeah. And, you know, did have that stint with the shoulder injury. And that is, you know, I think the only ability question from his durability uh, mm -hmm. and whether how that affects his stuff too when he comes back you wrote about a sinker you said a little bit there uh, so you know something to watch for a little bit to see if he can hold up he's a guy that's had major injuries in the past so of course we're worried about that and scott service being you know the pacific northwest version of kevin cash uh mm -hmm. we do worry about that just a little bit but uh from a fantasy standpoint but that tactic does tend to work i mean that is one thing even cash is pretty much you know, stuck with Fairbanks a lot this year when Fairbanks mm -hmm. has been healthy. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, entering the year, there were so many situations where, you know, two relievers from the same team were ranked within the top, you know, 30 uh, closers in fantasy baseball. Cause at this point it's like, uh, you know, Johan Duran might be splitting Andre Minos might be splitting, but I still want them over, you know, whoever's going to be closing for, you know, the A's or the diamondbacks or some uncertain situations on what we thought would be bad teams on during the year. For sure. You know, one of the uh, storylines in this year, too, is like the, the questionable closers that are, you know, good skills, but maybe not. We're not quite sure they're going to close, you know, uh, you know, maybe man managerial issues that they've come through. Camilo Duvall has been fantastic. Alexis Diaz has been a, mm -hmm. you know, huge. 
you know, not only has David Bell used him as a closer, he's used him as the exclusive closer to almost to a point of overuse. But then again, who else is he going to go to? Because he has nobody else. But, you know, it's you see this time and again that, oh, OK, I wish I had more Diaz this year. I, that was a big mm-hmm. whiff. Yeah, I think. Uh, and I know in the NFBC, um, the closers, they go so high. The top ones, you know, Evan yep. Diaz, Josh Hader, Emmanuel Class A, like those guys sometimes go in the second, third round. And I've never been able to stomach that. I think Eno has talked about the strategy of finding the last tier one closers, because if you're getting them, you know, in round six, seven, eight, that does make a huge difference to uh, versus getting them in round two or three. So uh, I definitely like getting, you know, a top closer. I think that's, I think this, these like bullpen patterns that we've seen MLB teams use, that's going to last, you know, it's going to sustain moving forward. So I think the strategy for uh, the immediate future is going to be take, you know, the best quote unquote RP or the, the best last RP one that you can. And this season that's right. been phenomenal. Cause that was guys like, you know, Diaz and Doval, um, like you mentioned. Yeah, I, I was on record of saying I was worried about Duvall, and so thus I have none. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm just standing on the corner. Uh, I like the Rockies eating paste in the corner there, but that's what mm-hmm. I do. So. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it, it, that, that has been one of the big whiffs of the year for me. Um, let's talk a little Shane McClanahan. Uh, he had pain on the outside of his elbow in yesterday's start against the Yankees. You know, he, he's, he's awesome, right? But at the same time, there, there's there's some, you know, it's been a little bit of a struggle in the last two months for him. Yeah. I think that last season it was even going underappreciated both at the time and this past off season, but before he got hurt last season, he was truly like, sure. Spencer Strider might've been, you know, the best pitcher in baseball, but he, Shane McClanahan, I love looking at, you know, strikeout minus walk rate, swinging mm-hmm. strike rate, ground ball rate. Those just, you know, dominant stats. Are you getting whiffs? Are you getting grounders? And for a starting pitcher's workload, Shane McClanahan was like operating like a closer. He was really, really good. Of course, he broke down late in the year. And yep. that just left this, you know, little bit of doubt in your mind. This draft season, his first chance he got to pitch a full season, he didn't hold up. So what's that going to mean for 2023? And now I think the worst fears are, are being realized. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe the only time to add raise starting pitchers to your fantasy team is in season off waivers, because all these guys who got drafted high have, you know, dealt with injuries this year. Indeed. Um, and that, that, that's, they, they went and got one starter, uh, in, uh, Savali. And I thought that was a guy you'd want to have, but at the same time, they paid a pretty price for that. Talking about that seller's market since, uh, since June McClanahan, uh, he got three wins in June. I will include those starts. His last win was on June 16th, but he's thrown 45 innings. So it shows he's had a trip on the IL. First of all, in those innings, he's also had a 516 ERA, uh, K to nine is only uh, 7.7 uh, Ks per nine. So that's really dropped off. Home runs have really spiked up over that time. Uh, you can see that it, it's been a little bit of a struggle for him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, he'll be a tough guy next year to value because you look at the overall numbers, 329, 118. But you talk about the durability concerns. You know, he's he's an ace. He's going to get drafted as an ace. Are you going to pay that second round price from assuming that there's no other injury concerns since, before we get down the stretch here? He's definitely someone who you want that ADP discount. If you know, if you're taking him at this point, uh, yeah, the fly ball, just to bring it full circle a little bit, that fly, the fly ball article I was talking about with Mike Trout, um, his fly ball rate falling this year is another player who for a little bit now we've talked about him as, He's probably going to miss time, but while he plays, he's going to be elite. And this year we've seen that come down a little bit. So I just don't want to be paying um, for the assumption that he's going to be like that elite anymore. You do need a little bit of an injury discount at a certain point. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, Another uh, injury issue uh, right now, Bo Bichette going on the IL with a knee injury. It was a non-contact thing. He was rounding first base between first and second and pulled up. Didn't even get back to first base, got tagged out and, you know, left hobbled off the field was day to day. And now he's on the IL. Yeah. It's one of those things. So one of the things that I do for underdog is run our, um, you know, underdog MLB account. In my opinion, it's the fastest and most accurate way to get, you know, baseball news and lineups. Um, you can follow it at underdog underscore underscore MLB. Um, 
So I'm just, you know, reading a lot of these situations in real time. And when an injury yep. first happens, you know, it's it's pretty common. The the manager of the team will talk it down a little bit, say it's not a huge concern. And then, uh, but then it still leads to an IL stint. And that's what happened with Bichette. It's better than if, you know, it was immediate IL or immediate surgery or anything like that. But um, when the news first came out, it was like, oh, he's day to day. He's fine. It, but it didn't feel like. Uh, that was going to be like a true day-to-day situation. I mean, just when you watched uh, the injury right. and saw the replay live, it was you could tell that this was probably, you know, they're at least going to want to exercise um, some caution with him. So uh, he's had a weird year. He started, you know, incredibly hot. He's cooled down since. Mm-hmm. His, his base running has not been good. I put out a tweet yesterday. I'm trying to pull up the exact stat here. Um, in 2021, he stole uh, 25. He was 25 for 26 and stole yep. base attempts. And since then, he's 16 for 27. And now, if he's got this knee issue, I don't, you know, what are the stolen bases going to look like moving forward? I just think um, that's something uh, to keep in mind for his, you know, rest of season outlook when he does come back, and then and then maybe in 2024 as well. Yeah. Well, and remember, we spent a little bit of time focusing on his speed last year because he wasn't mm-hmm. as successful in his stolen base attempts. And you're, and you're starting to be concerned now. He's just merely just not running. And if you dig a little deeper into like his stat cast running stats too, uh, you know, his, like the home, the home plate to uh, first numbers have consistently gotten worse. Uh, and he's only 25 years old, but it started off as like, you know, 4.2 uh, seconds uh, home plate to first, then 4.38 then 4.4, 4.5 is 4.54 this year. Uh, his, his average rank, and, you know, for position now is is 34th. So he, he's, you know, a percentile rank. He's 42nd percentile in sprint speed. So, the, you know, he shouldn't be running as much. And it's a little early for him to, to kind of see that go away. Yeah, I do think it's something to keep in mind. He's always been the type of player who we thought, quote unquote, won't age well because it's, you know, high chase rate. It's heavily reliant on his hit tool and his ability to make contact and warp the bat through the zone to get it on the barrel. Um, and can go opposite field and spray it all over. And um, mm-hmm. it's been really like I, you know, it's uh, the type of player who, you know, we don't see anymore, you know, that sort of thing. So I've really enjoyed watching him. But um, again, yeah, again, we've talked about how he, he's not a premium athlete. And uh, because of that, uh, I really hope we're not seeing the the age decline so soon for him. Right. I mean, a couple of things you're going to start looking at. If he's not running, he goes out of the first round, right? I mean, you know, it, it, I know he's hitting 320, but, you know, you really in, in today's game where you need more stolen bases, uh, I, I, it's, but the rule changes, I think you need, you know, it's hard to justify pulling the trigger on him in the first round, I think, unless you really are like balancing him with an, a, the, a really good stolen base guy later. But uh, uh, the other thing, too, is maybe he moves off shortstop at some point because mm-hmm. you got to presume that. If he's not running well, if his sprint speed's down, that probably also means his range numbers aren't as good. Um, and eventually his defense won't be good enough either for the position. Yeah, I'm so uh, – sometimes i got to remind myself to just stay in the present season and finish it out because around this time right. of year I love thinking about 2024 drafts sure. and what that first round looks like. But I did some like back of the napkin, you know, what's the first round going to look like next year? And I'm pretty yeah. certain um, – I don't think you can – there's a case to be made for Bo to be in it moving forward. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, you wrote about uh, you do a, a periodic rookie report, and there's some good news going on there. Jordan Walker's gotten better. Uh, Matt McLean's been pretty darn awesome. Um, what what did you find with that report? Yeah, so one thing I don't know if I want to use the term word like specialized, but something that I really like doing um, is diving into the hitting profiles of these rookies. I think with so many veterans, like when we were talking about Joe Ryan being in that glob, like to me, like there are things to monitor with how Joe Ryan's doing, but with so many veteran players, I feel like I'm just better off trusting like the projection system to, to monitor certain things. But, but with rookies, you know, a projection system is going to be, you know, way more volatile. They might uh, underrate the ceiling, but, but overrate, you know, like the median outcome sort of thing. So I really have found um, a benefit in recent years of looking at, you know, the plate discipline and then mm-hmm. batted ball results early in the career of some of these rookies to try to get a sense of who they are and how are they, you know, adjusting to MLB um, pitching. I think that 
this most recent one I did, again, it was focused on Matt McClain, Jordan Walker, and Brett Beatty. Just I kind of picked three random rookies to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was blown away by by Matt McClain. It's, it's funny. We were just talking about Bo Bichette because Matt McClain, I don't want to say he's going to be a first-round fantasy pick or even a second or third-round fantasy pick in the coming years. But uh, looking at his profile, it, it really did remind me of Bo. Um, I put a uh image of his spray chart on twitter the other day and he hits the ball all over cincinnati is an incredible ballpark for hitters i think it's it's everyone knows it's a good ballpark for hitters but i think it's become underrated i don't think we're giving it enough credit for how offensive friendly it is right um and yeah matt mclean he he it's not he's not a slap hitter he he has a good barrel rate his um you know hard hit average eggs velocity like all that stuff is you know, it's it's not blue on baseball savant. It's firmly pink, and I, I think that's a really good sign for him. He doesn't need to be a great power hitter. He just needs to do enough to go with the speed and the batting average. Yeah, if you use, like, almost any uh, player rater in terms of what they've done this year, McLean, uh, he's not going to top out at among, uh, among shortstops, but uh, he's got the fewest number of games in a, at-bats uh, versus those in his range. You know, and it, it's like... Yeah, if he had had a full season, he'd probably be up in the uh, the Bichette amount of range there, especially because Bichette only has those three bags. McLean does run eight stolen bases, not always ne- successfully, mind you, and he might be on that same path eventually in terms of uh, those stolen bases. They might go away pretty quickly. So it's funny, talking about 2024, Corbin Carroll, we know he's going to be in round one. I think the hype on Ellie, we'll see. He very well could go in round one. I mean, Bobby Witt was going in round one. Uh, this mm-hmm. past off season, if at least, but there's there's going to be excitement to draft Ellie, right? And you, yeah. Gunnar Henderson is kind of like broken through as a rookie hitter that we're really um, impressed by as a community. And I just everyone loves Matt McLean. It's not like people are down on him, but I, I don't think uh, we fully caught around, come around to what his upside could be. Um, again, he came in the league at 23 years old, so it's I don't think he's going to keep getting better. I just I'm not certain if where. If I'm not certain if the market is fully buying into this and if all the attention for rookies and year two players going into next year is going to go to Carroll and Ellie, I think McLean could slip through the cracks a little bit. And, you know, he's someone who is skill set. And again, it's Bull Bichette like it could be, you know, a little Starling Marte with power and speed and towards mm-hmm. the top of drafts. Um, I'm going to be really curious to see what his ADP is in, in Roto, especially. I'm going to give you a couple over uh, either ors at at the position. Uh, Matt McLean or Francisco Lindor next year? Uh, ooh, that's a good one. Uh, and it's a, that definitely tempers um, my enthusiasm a bit because I do think Lindor's uh, track record at this point is uh, – I, I would still take Lindor. I think I might too. Um, how about one of the pleasant surprises of the year, Nico Horner, who's going to run more, won't hit, probably hit for as much power, but has uh, been one of those really good stories this year. Horner or McLean? Oh, yeah. I think um, I'm going to go McLean there. Uh, if nothing else, just the ballpark. Um, I've been looking at three-year park factors on Savant. And okay. it used to be, you know, Coors was, you know, always number one. And Coors actually is still number one. But the gap is um, is a lot closer this year um, than it has been in quite some time. And I think, mm-hmm. again, McLean is someone who he's got that average pop. But in Cincinnati, uh, sometimes those sneak over the fence. Yeah. What are, what about one of this year's disappointments? I think you take him over McLean, but what are you doing with Trey Turner next year? Ooh, yeah. Um, so again, he's someone who I do think might fall out of the first round. Um, yeah, I think so too. I, I got to remind myself. Um, it's something that I, I want to not believe, but like, I think, do you think there's enough evidence at this point? These guys who signed big money contracts and mm-hmm. then their first year with the new team, uh, you do see a little bit of an increase in chase rate. And if you look at what's, ailing trade this year like you look at what's changed from his profile um the chase rate's just like out of control and i think he's pressing a little bit um i think that there was some angst in philly early the season the team as a whole was pressing a bit uh so that the fact that it's just his chase rate up i think that's something that we can naturally expect to hopefully come down you know year two he's a little more settled lindor went through kind of a similar thing when he got to new york for instance so um, and Harper it, and Philly for that matter. Yeah. And Machado but, and San Diego for that. Yeah, matter. It's such like a narrative thing, but, but I, and in this case, you know, you can look at the, the rolling fan graphs, um, 
yeah, the rolling chart of his chase rate and, and it, it's way up this year. Um, definitely like, you know, a killer if anyone took him in the top three of the season. Yeah. Especially in, in you know, there are people who took him at 1.1. Yeah, ahead of right ahead of Acuna, and I mean the yeah. the difference between Jake and Trey and Acuna is the difference you know in your entire fantasy season. <laughs> yeah, or J Rod even even if you had mm-hmm. taken if you had taken Rodriguez, you'd still be you know regretting not taking Acuna. But at yeah, the same time, at least Rodriguez is is kind of made a big surge here. If you had taken Otani, obviously you're pretty happy. But mm-hmm. there's you know some of those top fives. You know, it's like oh yeah, put them in a basket. They're all the same. Nope, not the same. Jose Ramirez, I mean, you're, you're you're fine with what you've gotten mm-hmm. from Jose Ramirez. You might not be ecstatic, but you're fine with that. It's a building block guy. You're you're not. He may not be top five this year, but he's he's in the conversation at least. But man, pass, you know, Turner versus Acuna, that's a forty dollar difference. You know, yeah. and that that's just that's it's hard to overcome that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's look at a couple more rookies. I want to talk about here. Jordan Walker uh, got sent down at one point in time. You know, at one point in time, Ollie Marmol was not playing him on an everyday basis before he got sent down. Uh, this is not. This is also maybe an Ollie Marmol conversation, one I've already had many times. I do like to relitigate that one, but uh, Walker has been better since coming back. Mm-hmm. I so I uh, consider myself a quote unquote like prospect guy. I love following prospects, and especially uh-huh. in the off season, I, I dive really deep and um, to like every organization. And I remember thinking in January, like. Jordan Walker is someone who there, there's no way he's going to, you know, this is someone who's going to spend significant time in AAA, might not even come up at all this season. And then within two months, it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to break camp with the yep. big league club. Um, I'm pulling up his age here just to double check. I have it right. I'm pretty certain he debuted at 20 this season. Uh, and that's just something like talk about McLean. He came in at, you know, 23 years old. A, a lot of these sure. other rookie hitters who have kind of hit the ground running, um, have done the same thing. And I think we've been spoiled in recent years by, you know, Tatis and uh, Acuna and, you know, maybe Wander or whoever. Some of these guys are just like so young and come in and look right. so great right away. But uh, for a 20 year old to, you know, not face AAA pitching and get right in the big leagues. I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise that there were like a little, not like massive struggles, but just little things to work out. And when he did get sent down, I think that hitting streak was not great for him because, every night he was in the news like oh my god jordan walker 10 game hitting streak as a rookie longest since so and so and uh, but it was really masking the fact that he had a 60 percent ground ball rate um and and he was just like chasing a lot so i think if they hadn't sent him down at the time he was going to naturally regress and to the cardinals credit since he's come back like he's been better so i kind of feel like they uh that decision um you know has is not you know the uproar that it you know maybe could have been or, or was I, I agree with that and keep in mind too he's you know kind of learning a position on the fly too his defense has been really bad this year <laughs> yeah it has um he's a third baseman that's learning the outfield as a 21 year old in mm-hmm. the big leagues having skipped triple a i mean for the most part there so yeah um i i think and i think he might be the type of guy as a good post type guy next year to go out and target now we won't get him at third base anymore um, but at the same time, you know, I, I think he might be one of those players that returns a decent profit because we kind of forgotten the hype. Of him. He also, I mean, he's, let's face it. He's not going to run a ton five for five for nine on the base pass this year. Did, uh, last year he did have 22 bags in double a, so he can run a little bit, but you're not counting. You're not getting him for the stolen bases. Yeah, like we again, just to compare him to McLean, for instance, like we were, uh, I was saying, I, I think there's going to be so much enthusiasm for Carroll and Ellie. And I'm mm-hmm. because of that, really curious to see where some of these secondary rookie prices fall because um, there is a chance that the market kind of just, you know, is we've seen this happen before with prospects who don't immediately smash. The market just kind of says, like, okay, like we don't know what to do with you. Uh, th- there's not the same excitement. And if that's the case, Walker, I think, is someone who. I would be interested in drafting every single year until one of these years where he has, you know, a monster season and, you know, outrageously, outrageously outperforms his ADP. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, one last one, Brett Beatty, similar boat where, you know, we're, he, he, he has underperformed our expectations. You know, at first he wasn't going to be with the team breaking camp. Then he was back up pretty, pretty darn quickly. Only played nine games in the minors this year, uh, but he struggled. And, you know, he's getting platooned here and there Uh, defense defense. He's had some pretty bad gaffes at times. I I still remember that Phillies game. 
Uh, you look at his overall line. He has only seven homers on the season, hitting 225, 24 walks, 81 Ks. It's been a bit of a struggle this year. Brett Beatty is becoming, and this is, you know, you know, terrifying for if you roster him in Dynasty or anything, but it's becoming very Cabrian Hayes, like where the hard hit numbers are there, um, mm-hmm. but the ground ball rate is just, you know, way too high. It's, you know, at unacceptable levels. And uh, when Beatty was dominating AAA, we were getting a lot of, because now we have AAA baseball savant info to the public. And so yep. we were getting a lot of, oh my God, Beatty hit this ball 114 miles an hour. His right. hard hit rate is the highest in all of the minors right now. And, um, but and that's all been true. Like he still hits the ball with impact in the majors, but he just like beats it directly into the ground. And uh, it's my belief that too often we, these high ground ball rate guys, we view that as a, um, as like a swing issue. Whereas I think most of the time it's, it's actually a pitch selection issue. Mm. And so that's not to say that that can't be improved, um, you know, over time. But uh, I think Beatty, even just to get to, you know, like an average, uh, ground ball rate is going to need to make a stride in, in year two next year. Yeah. And if it were so easy to fix, it would be fixed. And you know, Eric Hosmer mm-hmm. wouldn't be known as a legendary ground ball hitter. You yeah. know, he this has been talked about. Out. Yeah. For Beatty, this has been a multiple years of talking about his ground ball rate. So th- this isn't yeah. something that it was not a problem for him in the minors. And now is like, this has been, you know, a talking point for him as a prospect. So that that's certainly concerning. And, you know, for every Andy Diaz, there's there's a lot. There's 10 others that haven't been able to make that correction, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that's actually a legitimate concern for him in the long run there. Maybe I'm not so enthusiastic about Beatty kind of becoming not just blindly saying post hype with every single guy that struggled. That was a big time prospect, right? Yeah, of those three that we discussed, McLean, Walker, Beatty. Beatty's the one that, as of now, I'm going to have the least interest in um, in getting next season. So I'm talking with Brendan Tuma. You can check out both his uh, Andres Munoz article and his Bryce Harper uh, fly ball article that uh, are up on his on his Substack right now. Uh, Brendan, what else do you have in the works? Uh, yeah, so I think just closing out this, you know, the season strong underdog, we wrapped up our midseason best ball tournament. People could mm-hmm. draft that from May to July. That was a lot of fun. And yeah. we're going to have a playoff best ball, um, you know, coming up here pretty soon. And then then in the off season, hopefully we get these uh, these drafts up earlier uh, this off season because I know that, uh, you know, you're similar to myself once, you know, October, November, December hit. It's like the baseball itch. It, it, it comes back earlier and earlier every year, it seems. So it sure does. Uh, just definitely want to feed that market. Yep, absolutely. And I know we'll have a part in that as well. Rotowire and Underdog have worked pretty well together in the past. So looking forward to that. Brendan, thank you so much uh, coming on today. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Jeff, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You bet. Brendan Tuma, everybody. Follow him on Twitter at Too Much Tuma. Uh, thanks to Blue Wire. Thanks to the Home Run Forecast as well for uh, sponsoring this podcast. We got two start starters, Clay and Todd, tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Take care.